Snakes, of course, and that would be useful, but a dog was just as good a means of keeping snakes out of the yard. When he was a boy out at Malepololi, Mr. J.L.B. Matacone had owned a dog which had established itself as a legendary snake catcher. It was a thin brown animal with one or two white patches and a broken tail. He had found it, abandoned and half-starved, at the edge of the village and had taken it home to live with him at his grandmother's house. She had been unwilling to waste food on an animal that had no apparent function, but he had won her round, and the dog had stayed. Within a few weeks it had proved its usefulness, killing three snakes in the yard and one in a neighbor's melon patch. From then on its reputation was assured, and if anybody was having trouble with snakes, they would ask Mr. J. L. B. Matacone to bring his dog round to deal with the problem. The dog was preternaturally quick. Snakes, when they saw it coming, seemed to know that they were in mortal danger. The dog, hair bristling and eyes bright with excitement, would move towards the snake with a curious gait, as if it were standing on the tips of its claws. Then, when it was within a few feet of its quarry, it would utter a low growl, which the snake would sense as a vibration in the ground. Momentarily confused, the snake would usually begin to slide away, and it was at this point that the dog would launch itself forward and nip the snake neatly behind the head. This broke its back, and the struggle was over. Mr. J. L. B. Matacone knew that such dogs never reached old age. If they survive to the age of seven or eight, their reactions begin to slow, and the odds shifted slowly in favour of the snake. Mr. J. L. B. Matacone's dog eventually fell victim to a banded cobra and died within minutes of the bite. There was no dog who could replace him, but now... Well, this was just another possibility that opened up. They could buy a dog and choose its name together. Indeed, he would suggest that she choose both the dog and the name, as he was keen that Mara Motswe should not feel that he was trying to take all the decisions. In fact he would be happy to take as few decisions as possible. She was a very competent woman, and he had complete confidence in her ability to run their life together. As long as she did not try to involve him in her detective business, that was simply not what he had in mind. She was the detective, he was the mechanic. That was how matters should remain. He telephoned shortly before seven. Mara Motswe seemed pleased to hear from him, and asked him, as was polite in Setswana language, whether he had slept well. I slept very well, said Mr. J. L. B. Matacone. I dreamed all the night about that clever and beautiful woman who has agreed to marry me. He paused. If she was going to announce a change of mind, then this was the time that she might be expected to do it. Mara Motswe laughed. I never remember what I dream, she said. But if I did then I am sure that I would remember dreaming about that first-class mechanic who is going to be my husband one day. Mr. J. L. B. Matacone smiled with relief. She had not thought better of it, and they were still engaged. Today we must go to the President Hotel for lunch, he said. We shall have to celebrate this important matter. Mara Motswe agreed. She would be ready at twelve o'clock, and afterwards, if it was convenient... Perhaps he would allow her to visit his house to see what it was like. There would be two houses now, and they would have to choose one. 
Her house on Zebra Drive had many good qualities, but it was rather close to the centre of town, and there was a case for being further away. His house, near the old airfield, had a larger yard and was undoubtedly quieter, but was not far from the prison. And was there not an overgrown graveyard nearby? That was a major factor. If she were alone in the house at night for any reason, it would not do to be too close to a graveyard. Not that Mara Motsway was superstitious. Her theology was conventional and had little room for unquiet spirits and the like. And yet, and yet... In Mara Motsway's view, there was God, Modimo, who lived in the sky, more or less directly above Africa. God was extremely understanding, particularly of people like herself, but to break his rules, as so many people did with complete disregard, was to invite retribution.